In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. We ask the Lord at the beginning of this time of prayer for special help to be there in the upper room, to be there at the side of the tomb, to go there with our imagination in a way that is deeper than usual. The apostles, just hours earlier, had just suffered the indescribable. That meal with the master in the upper room had left them basking in the glow of his love for them. Then the news of his arrest, that trial late at night, the violent rush to put him to death. It is impossible for us to imagine the emotional whiplash of Holy Thursday and Good Friday. And then Holy Saturday. Such emptiness. So much silence in the upper room. No desire to eat, no desire to speak, just numbness, desolation, frazzled nerves, hearts broken. With our imagination, we imagine that Holy Saturday, late into the evening, the holy women could not sleep. All they could think of was going to the tomb as soon as it was legally permitted in order to lovingly care for their, their beloved. We place ourselves there in the upper room, often looking in the direction of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who strengthens us with her serene and recollected countenance. So many years, 33 years, 33 long years, pondering those mysterious words of Simeon. And now it has come to pass. The terrible news of the arrest of her son. Keeping vigil while awaiting the trial. The passion and now praying. The prayer of Our Lady was unceasing. She kept her eyes fixed interiorly on her son and was totally consumed by her burning desire to once more behold him whom she loved with such inexpressible love. Well, the emotions, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, that long Holy Saturday really are hard to fathom. 
One person with a deep interior life wrote the following about Saturday evening. It was towards 11 o'clock when the Blessed Virgin, incited by irrepressible feelings of love, arose, wrapped a great gray cloak around her, and left the house quite alone. She first went to the house of Caiaphas, then to the palace of Pilate. Her appearance, as she walked slowly, was that of a person seeking something. She often bent down to the ground, touched the stones with her hands. And then, if she came across any precious blood of her beloved son, she inundated those stones with her kisses. The hours go by. Finally, Sunday morning at the crack of dawn, the holy women are able to head out to the tomb. They walk with their hearts broken. And at the same time, with that fierce loyalty that is the fruit of their love, they had no idea whatsoever how they were going to get past the guards how they were going to roll away the boulder that had been placed at the entrance. Those valiant women were truly unstoppable. As St. Josemaria wrote, when people love, obstacles do not stop them. They have daring, determination, and courage. What has to be done is done. Suddenly, those women are transported from the depths of despair to the heights of exhilaration. He is risen, as he said. As we read in the New Testament. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. We have to necessarily take a deep gulp. A deep gulp as we try to somehow enter into the spirit, the psyche, of those who went from desolation to exhilaration in one second. They went running back running is putting it mildly, in order to tell the others. They were filled with joy. A joy that, that has been passed down through the ages to us here today. For one reason, because it is the very same Lord with whom we are speaking right now.
That is why it never ceases to thrill us. Every time we begin our prayer by saying, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here. That you see me, that you hear me. That you are the very same Lord who appeared, who transformed the lives of your followers. You who rose from the dead. We read in the Catholic Catechism, the resurrection of Jesus is the crowning truth of our faith in Christ. A faith believed and lived as the central truth by the first Christian community and handed on as fundamental by tradition. The importance of this miracle is so great that the apostles, above all else, are witnesses of the Lord's resurrection. The very nucleus of all their preaching thereafter was Christ is alive. After 20 centuries, this is exactly what we announced to the world. Christ is alive. Take, for example, that which St. Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He appeared to chafe us, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive. We have to, today is a day for us to be thrilled. We ask the Lord to make us permanently thrilled. Today is the day. Today is a day for us to ask, among other things, for continued grace of transformation. We read in the Mass today those other words of St. Paul. If then you were raised with Christ... Seek that which is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not, as of, not of what is on earth. St. Paul is saying to us, because he's alive, because you too have been raised with Christ, change. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. As we were considering just a minute ago, behold, there was a, a great earthquake. The resurrection caused an earthquake. Well, we want to experience an interior earthquake that does not go away but we'll keep on rumbling for the rest of our life. But that raises the question, what does it look like to be so permanently aware that you, Jesus, live? We want very badly to figure that out because your presence is the source of great strength. And so we look to our giants, those heroes of ours, who were able to, 
to endure great difficulties precisely because they could not get over what it meant to be in your presence. These days we have especially in mind that moment during the life of St. Josemaria, 1937, when he was confined to quarters, to very small quarters, with a half a dozen of his sons there in the consulate of Honduras. In June of 1937, the eve of the Feast of the Sacred Heart, St. Josemaria gave a meditation, most likely whispering in order to avoid arousing any suspicion with other people there in the building. But even though, despite those very, very difficult circumstances, he was like a volcano of love. And he said in that meditation, let us speak to him, to Jesus, in loving confidence, as intimate friends, as brothers, as sons. Jesus, we want to see you, to speak to you. We want to contemplate you immersed in the immensity of your beauty, in a contemplation that will never cease. It must be wonderful to see you, Jesus. It must be wonderful to see you and be wounded by your love, to be inebriated and sustained by your love. It must be wonderful to remain lovingly immersed in your wounded heart, loving you unceasingly, and being loved by you. It's important that we, that we contemplate these words, these words that, that were spoken in circumstances the likes of which we will never experience. We ask St. Josemaria for at least some degree of that awareness of Christ's presence. Because the, that awareness can be a very powerful antidote to the loneliness that is afflicting so many people during these days of the pandemic. And right now in, in our own prayer, we want to reach out with, with our prayer to those who are confined to quarters with no access to any other human being especially the elderly, those who cannot be at the side of, of their loved ones in the hospital, and so many other people. For each of them, we ask the Lord to make his presence especially tangible these days. When we talk about this permanent presence of Jesus who's, who lives, we're not just talking about a nice idea because the Lord, after all, made it very clear during that celebration of the Last Supper that he would never leave us. In a very special way, the Lord stays with us in the daily offering of the Holy Eucharist. As St. Josemaria writes in Christ is Passing By, that is why the Mass is the center and source of Christian life. The presence of the living Christ in the host 
is the guarantee, the source and the culmination of his presence in the world. It's so wonderful for us to imagine, not only during the Last Supper and not only during those, those first days after the resurrection, but for the balance of the lives of each of the apostles. Just imagine each one of them celebrating Mass day after day and seeing those loving eyes of Jesus as each one adored the sacred host. Going back to the upper room, before the resurrection and also after the resurrection, as the disciples waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful image for us. In these days of our being cooped up, can remind us of the apostles, the disciples, being cooped up as it were. They were no doubt crowded around Mary. I mean, who wouldn't be? And we want to do the same thing involving Our Lady in our confinement. Finally, in the life, the life of each one of the disciples, after those weeks of quarantine, upon the coming of the Holy Spirit, came the expansion. They emerged from confinement like a, a compressed spring that is finally released. They proceeded to expand all over Jerusalem and as the months went by throughout the, the known world. Who knows what awaits us after these weeks of confinement? Speaking of space, a very interesting thought from Mother Angelica. She wrote, your plans, your projects, your dreams have to always be bigger than you so that God has room to operate. Interesting for us to imagine giving God all the space that he needs in order to operate, in order to continue carrying out his mission, the mission of Jesus Christ on this earth. Your plans, your projects, your dreams have to be bigger. Well, that's something we can be praying for these days. As you know, during those those months, those five months of confinement, going back to St. Jose Maria in 1937, even though he was in the, that, those very cramped quarters, his mind and heart and imagination were in Paris, in Tokyo, in different cities of the United States. He was, he was dreaming with the dreams of God himself. You could say that he was giving God room to operate, which is why they spent so many hours, St. Josemaria and those with him, studying languages and making all the necessary preparations, all that they could, for the big expansion. Well, how do we do it? How do we give 
God room to operate. It begins with taking care of our daily meditation more lovingly than ever. That's what the the very first Christians did. We read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Our daily meditation. Right now, in this, this time of prayer, we can ask the Lord to help us to pinpoint those projects and with his grace to help us to to see them even bigger. His plans, his projects, his dreams. You have undoubtedly come across the great author Jacques Philippe, who in a very short book about prayer, he writes, speaking about space, those who have prayer have everything. Because on that basis, God can freely enter their lives and act in them, working the marvels of his grace. Maybe this is the moment for us to make a resolution, to pinpoint that time every day, that time for our own mental prayer, a time for meditation, and to say to the Lord, Now that I have this time, because I can't go outside, I will be more faithful to this time of prayer than ever. There is another very wonderful consequence of being aware of God's presence. And that is perspective. St. Josemaria wrote, if we are immersed in God, Nothing will disturb our interior peace. If we unite ourselves to Christ's cross and his glorious resurrection, there is no obstacle we cannot overcome. Well, the key operative words there, of course, are to be immersed in God, to be united to our Lord's cross and resurrection. That is what counts. And all the other things, all the other difficulties, these days of forced confinement, will just become anecdotes. I mean, obviously, we have tough times ahead. But that's the whole point of of St. Josemaria. There is no obstacle we cannot overcome. There he was, 1937, not sure if he would live the following day. Finally, the war came to an end in 1939, and just months later, World War II broke out. We finish by going to Our Lady, as always. On this wonderful day, we go to her in order to share our joy with her just as our first brothers and sisters in the faith did, by saying, Queen of Heaven, rejoice, hallelujah. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations 
that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.